Hey there, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about a unique opportunity for you and I to work together one-on-one. Right now, I am running a beta coaching program for my updated three-month coaching package, and this is basically the long way to say free coaching in exchange for your feedback. So if you're someone who is struggling with PMS, period pain, with fertility challenges or irregular cycles, then this, my friend, is for you. This could finally be the time for you to understand what is causing your symptoms so they can be a thing of the past. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more and sign up. Hey everybody, welcome to I'm Hormonal. This is a podcast where we talk about how to support our hormone health, menstrual health, and how to lean into cyclical living. If you want to understand the signals that your cycle is sending you, then you are in the right place because I'll share practical tips and information with you that will support you on your quest for hormone balance. I'm Bridget, a functional hormone specialist and menstrual cycle coach, and I'm here to guide you along this journey. Hello out there, my friends. I hope that you are having a good day. How are you? For me here in Southern California, it is just a chill November day. Um, It's been so clear here, making for really beautiful sunsets. And um, this weekend, I'm just trying to kind of get organized before I leave for a bachelorette party later this week. So that's kind of what's going on with me. But what's going on with you? Um, I'm trying to post more on social so that you guys can get to know me a little bit. And if you see my story or a post, then I would love to connect with you there and let me know where you're from and what you're up to. So hopefully we can connect there on Instagram. You can find me. um, My handle is at Bridget Walton. If this is your first time listening, then hello to you and welcome. I'm so glad that you found me. If you have been here before, then I'm happy that you're back. I've been looking and I see that There are a lot of folks listening in Southern California, in Washington, in Texas and Virginia, and some international listeners in Mexico and Georgia. So I'm happy to see that information and and kind of know a little bit about who's out there listening with me or with all of you. For today, what we're going to be going through is progesterone. So if you listened last week, we went through estrogen. We'll continue this trend for a couple of more weeks because what I want to do is go through each of the main sex hormones and talk about, you know, how does that how does that hormone impact the menstrual cycle? What other parts of our health or our bodies does it impact? We'll talk about what can make those hormones go out of balance and a little bit about how to, of course, help them stay in balance. Before we get into the good stuff, I just want to remind you, per my usual, that everything that I'm talking about today is for informational purposes only, and it should not be used as a replacement for one-on-one support from a certified practitioner or from your healthcare provider. If you have any questions about what I'm talking about today, then reach out to me on Instagram, or you can email me hello at bridgetwalton.com, and we can talk a little bit more about your specific situation. Let's talk about progesterone's role in the menstrual cycle. Primarily, progesterone is here to sustain and nourish a pregnancy. 
It will help to make sure that the uterine lining is an appropriate thickness, right? So estrogen is going to grow it thicker. Progesterone might thin it out, again, so that it's suitable for an egg to implant in. And progesterone will also stimulate the thyroid in order to help raise the body temperature, which occurs after ovulation and while progesterone is being produced. So whereas estrogen was the main hormone that we looked at in the first half of the cycle, progesterone is the main hormone that we look at in the second half of the cycle. And let's talk about more specifically how it fluctuates through that time. So once the egg is released, that follicle that the egg was released from turns into the corpus luteum, which this is amazing because our ovaries create a whole new endocrine gland, you know, throughout basically the day after ovulation occurs. And the corpus luteum is the, is the gland that produces progesterone primarily. Some progesterone can be made in the adrenal glands, but anyway, ovaries is really what we're looking at. And so if ovulation is normally occurring around day 14 of an average 28-day cycle, then for the next 10 to 16 days, um, your ovary is going to push out that progesterone until, well, if you're not pregnant, then eventually progesterone levels will drop and you will begin your next bleed. Or if you become pregnant, then progesterone will continue to be produced from that corpus luteum for 10 weeks until the placenta you know, takes over that task. It's also worth noting, and we'll get into this more next week, but follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone um, both play a role in the release of progesterone from the ovaries. So your brain is still sending this signal that hey, we need to push out progesterone from this corpus luteum. I guess I'm using the term corpus luteum and ovaries kind of simultaneously when I'm mentioning where the progesterone is coming from, but I think you guys, I think you guys see where I'm going with that, right? Outside of the menstrual cycle, progesterone has an array of, uh, of areas that it influences as well. So we already mentioned that it stimulates the thyroid for the menstrual cycles or preg- a pregnancy's benefit, but that has other impacts on our body as well. So progesterone stimulates thyroid. It also can help to it also can help to prevent breast cancer. Like we mentioned last week, estrogen is a growth hormone. Progesterone opposes estrogen. And so it can help to reduce the risk for those sorts of um, cancers. It can also help to reduce inflammation help to build muscle, and progesterone is good for promoting sleep. Have you ever noticed that yourself, that as you're getting closer to your cycle, that maybe your quality of sleep is a little bit better? Progesterone can also play a role in protecting against heart disease. And then last but not least, it can calm the nervous system and help you to deal with stress. So there is a flip side to this one though, because in some menstruators, Um, progesterone can be uh, more agitating depending on how your body metabolizes, um, metabolizes the hormone and what impact that has on your GABA receptors in your brain. So for a subset of, of menstruators out there, um, they can experience PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And essentially 
when progesterone and progesterone's metabolites are high at the end of the luteal phase, that can bring on more anxiety and depression and have a negative impact on, of course, on the mental state. Whereas for a big, a good chunk of the other population, it can promote sleep and promote calmness. So two sides of this uh, progesterone coin, I suppose. So now that we know what progesterone does and when it fluctuates, which again, progesterone is going to come into play to help support a pregnancy, prepare your body in case you do become pregnant, and it will also be then just rising in the second half of your cycle, very low, you know, negligible in the first half of your cycle. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's look at what are some common causes of imbalance in progesterone. Now, first and foremost, the main imbalance or cause of imbalance would be if you don't ovulate. Because if you're not ovulating, then you're not forming that corpus luteum that's going to be just cranking out all of the progesterone. So that being said, lack of ovulation has its whole other array of reasons or root causes behind it. So important to note that healthy estrogen levels that lead to a healthy ovulation will also lead to healthy progesterone. So we'll come back to that, but keep in mind that no ovulation means no progesterone or low progesterone. Other things that can influence or impact your progesterone levels would be any sort of health event that happens in the 100 plus or minus days leading up to ovulation. The reason for that is the follicle develops for about 100 days. So any sicknesses or any other notable health events could have an influence on that follicle's quality and strength. And so, yes, you may still ovulate, but maybe that follicle isn't you know, as healthy or as strong as it could have otherwise been. Another influence on progesterone would be inflammation or if you have a thyroid problem, so higher inflammation or low thyroid hormone, that can prevent you from making enough progesterone. Also, having an insulin problem, so too high of insulin levels. Last but not least, a deficiency in magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin D, iodine, zinc, or selenium can also result in lower progesterone levels. There isn't really such thing as having progesterone that is too high, so maybe that makes this hormones equation a little bit easy to figure out. You know, with estrogen, right, could be low, could be high. Progesterone, though, we're just really concerned about low progesterone. Let's talk about what it looks like or what it could look like, feel like, when progesterone is too low. Let's look now at, at those couple of symptoms that you might be able to feel or notice. The first thing is that if you're having a really short luteal phase or like no luteal phase, then that's a good indicator that you have low progesterone. So to clarify that, if you are like tracking your temperature or using, you know, ovulation strips to identify when it is that you're ovulating and then you know, really soon after that, you're starting your period, that would be because you have low progesterone. Also, if you're noticing that in the middle of your luteal phase, you have 
like you have fertile mucus, right? Fertile mucus that you would expect to see before ovulation. So that dretchy cervical mucus, then that could be an indicator to you that you have relatively low progesterone as well. That's because, right, when estrogen is higher, that's what promotes that cervical mucus. So if you're having that in the luteal phase, then you're like, hmm, okay, something is a little bit out of balance here. Progesterone must be low if estrogen is presenting in this way. Some other things that could indicate to you you have low progesterone would be just generally PMS or premenstrual bleeding or spotting. If you spot for one or two days before your period, then that's generally considered normal. But if you're spotting for more than two days before your bleed really begins, then that could be indicative of low progesterone. Once your bleed does begin, if you have really prolonged or heavy menstrual bleeding, then that could be indicative of low progesterone because estrogen is what builds up the lining. If there isn't adequate progesterone there to thin it out, then that would result in more bleeding at the end of the month. Three more factors that I want to mention are anxiety, insomnia, and kind of a catch-all, but infertility. So if you're observing any of those three things, especially in, well, for anxiety and insomnia, especially in the second half of your cycle or in that luteal phase, then you might be wanna, you might want to be looking at your progesterone levels a little bit more closely. Okay, well, what can we do to support our progesterone balance and healthy levels of progesterone? And the main thing that I cannot underline enough is supporting your ovulation, right? So all of those things that you can do to support your ovulation, which is generally supporting your estrogen levels and your overall health, those things will lead to healthy levels of progesterone or balanced levels of progesterone. Now, the methods to support ovulation overall, that's a whole rabbit hole that we can go down. You can check out the previous episode about estrogen to hear more there, or just generally, like I always say, reducing and mitigating stress first. Second, reducing or mitigating exposure to endocrine disruptors. And then third, helping to support your healthy gut. Um, Those are three kind of foundational aspects that will help you to ovulate as you should, and then produce uh, a good amount of progesterone. A couple of specific things to consider could be making sure that your vitamin C levels are looking good, making sure that you're taking in adequate fatty acids, because cholesterol is really the, the building block for hormones. Okay, team, I think that we have done it for this week. We're about to wrap up, so it's time for your weekly tip. This week, I want you to figure out whatever is going to be the best strategy for you to stay in tune with and stay aware of the changes that you go through throughout your cycle. So if journaling is your jam, then think about how you can incorporate a journaling practice or this journaling practice of reflecting on reflecting on what your mood has been, what your body has felt like, what your period has been like, your actual bleed or any other symptoms. Or if you want to, or would, you know, if it's easier for you to use an app, then go ahead and look and see what app might best suit you. Um, I use the Flow app, but there are a lot of other really great apps out there. So 
take a look and see what suits uh, what suits you best. And this is really just for the benefit of getting to know your body, getting to know the signs and signals that your body is sending you, and having a good way to kind of organize and look back on it so that this can help you to identify what is the hormonal imbalance that you might be experiencing and how you can best address it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in and spending time with me, especially if you've made it all the way to the end of the episode like this. If you wouldn't mind sending this podcast to a friend of yours who is interested in their hormone health or someone who may be having some sort of hormonal imbalance and be interested in learning how to how to address that and improve that, I would so appreciate it. Also, if you're ready, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you can see me in your feeds weekly automatically. Come back next week when I'll be talking about follicle-stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, and gonadotropin-releasing hormone, and I can't wait to see you then. Thanks. So this is kind of, you know, a chicken or the egg. Well, it's not really a chicken or the egg problem because the egg is ovulation. We'll see you then. Have a great week and dang, this sounds dumb.